think most of us don't feel ready to be used by God. Phil shared about being filled with the Spirit last week, and it's easy when we hear messages like that for us to discount ourselves, that we're too young or we're too old, that we're a new Christian, that we're struggling, that we don't deserve it. Most of us live with the reality that Jesus loves us. We get that. Most of us live with the reality that that he saved us. We know we're going to heaven, but deep down, we're waiting for that moment. We don't believe that God wants to use us now to advance his kingdom here. And surely, if God wants to move in Hull in this region, then he would use more gifted people. He wouldn't use people who know what they're doing. And the danger is, if we have that view, is that we live with lives of no expectation that God is going to move. That we live this Christian life. We might live what looks like a really good Christian life. We might go to church. We might serve. We might give. We might love those around us, but we lack power. We read about the way that the, the Holy Spirit moves in the early believers, and there is a gap between what we read about and what we experience. And I know this is true, Because it's something I live with regularly. And I was preparing, I felt, well, if I feel like that as a church leader, I'm guessing I'm not the only one here. Maybe I am. This message is for me. Because I I shared that, uh, you know, I've shared this before, but at the beginning of, in January 2020, um, I don't know where those three years have gone, but um, I took over the leadership of the church from Steve Whittington. And um, And I stepped into big shoes. I knew God was calling me into the role, but I didn't feel ready and I didn't feel equipped. There was a particular week where every night I had this recurring nightmare that all of you left the church. That was my... But actually it was helpful because once I got to that point where there was just me, everything was better than that. And there's two choices when we feel inadequate. The first is that we can try harder. We can, we can take, try and take control. We can rely on our own strength. We can constantly strive to make it work, constantly feeling like an imposter who's just one moment away from being found out. That was my first choice, and it led to serving out of duty. It was hard work. It caused stress. It caused anxiety. Or the second choice, which I'm still trying to work out, is one where I step into accepting my gift as a weakness, uh, my weakness as a gift. Stepping out and saying, no, no, I'm, I'm going to, I know I'm not equipped, I know I feel weak, and I'm going to step into that because in my weakness, God becomes my strength. In my weakness, God gets to demonstrate how strong he is. You see, being a person who walks in the Spirit is not about it having all together. It's about realizing that God is the one who empowers us, that it is about his power found in our weakness. And so today is a message for those who feel like a failure, for those who question whether God can use you, for those who look at others and feel inadequate. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 to 10, but he said to me, This is Paul writing. This is what God said to him. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power will rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in hardship, in persecution. For when I am weak, then I am strong. If you're able to, would you stand with me for a moment while I pray?
Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is alive and active. And Lord, we pray that as we sit under your teaching today, that you would change us. God, would you today, would today as we hear and I speak, as everyone in front of me hears, would we find our strength not in ourselves, but in you? Would we realize how strong you are, that it is not reliant on us, it is completely reliant on you? Lord, would you change us this morning? In the name of Jesus, amen. Grab your seats. Today is Pentecost Sunday. It's the day that we remember that the Holy Spirit fell, how the Holy Spirit fell in power on the first disciples. Before Jesus goes to the cross, he spends time with his disciples. He is preparing them for his death. And then in John 14, he promises that when he leaves, he would send the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to be with God's people. In Acts 1, we, we read about Jesus. He appears to his disciples. He's just been raised from the dead. He appears to his disciples and he says in Acts 1, 4 to 5, on one occasion while he was eating with them, Jesus, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for my spirit, which my, fa that my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus then goes up to heaven and he, he leaves them with this instruction to wait for the outpouring of the Spirit. They have been trained in the way of Jesus. He has instructed them to go to the ends of the earth to share the gospel. But Jesus knows that if they rush off and they do it in their own strength, they would not be effective. It's a lesson. That knowledge, understanding isn't enough. They need an encounter with the power of God if they are going to live their lives as disciples of Jesus. And so the disciples are gathered around in this room. Uh, it was the day of Pentecost. This was one of the, the Jewish feast days. Um, it, the day, the Pentecost is a, is a Greek name, but in, in the Old Testament we see God's people celebrating this day. It is called the, the Festival of Weeks or the Feast of the Harvests. Um, and it happened 50 days after Passover. It was a celebration that God had delivered his people from Egypt. And the Jews would mark this day, this festival day, by bringing the, the fruits of their spring crops. The first fruits of their spring crops they would bring as an offering to God. So that's what's happening on that day. They are remembering God's faithfulness. And then we read in Acts 2 what happens on that day. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as a spirit enabled. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all, these, uh, aren't all of those who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Pygria and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in their own language. Perplexed, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. So the Holy Spirit falls on the disciples 
and it all kicks off. What looks like fire rests on their heads. I just, wouldn't it, just think it's an amazing picture of, you know, who notices first? You know, like, you've got fire on your head. So have you. Like this moment, where I just think, hilarious to be in the room. But then they start speaking in other languages that they didn't know. You know, I've heard of that. You know, often when we have a, 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 a tongue brought here, I'm going to cover tongues in a, f- a few weeks, the gift of tongues. Often it is, you know, someone brings an interpretation, but I, we know of uh, this happens where people bring what they, they feel is just a tongue, and then someone says, do you know what you were speaking in my native language? And that's what happens here. It's the, the gift of speaking in other languages through tongues. And it draws attention to those around. There's, there's such, such is the chaos that they assume that they're all drunk on wine. And Phil spoke about this a bit last week, about being what seemingly drunk in the spirit. And this is what we see with the first disciples. Peter then stands up to address the crowd. He says, then Peter stood up with the eleven. He raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Now, this is what the prophet, the, this is what's spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He quotes Joel. And there is this promise in the Old Testament that God would pour out his spirit on all people. And what is happening here is this fulfillment of the Old Testament promise that the pouring out of the Spirit that Jesus had told his disciples to wait for. And Peter wants it makes it clear that this is for everyone. And anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not restricted to the, the 12 that Jesus selected or the 72 that he later called. This is for everyone and it includes you and I. And from that moment on, every one of us can experience a filling of the Spirit that Phil spoke about last week. Peter then preaches about Jesus' life, about his death and his resurrection, and about 3,000 were saved. Imagine, imagine seeing 3,000 saved in one sermon. But what makes it even more amazing is it is Peter who preached the sermon. Now, if you know anything about Peter, you will know that he is constantly messing things up. He misinterpreted Jesus' words at times. He didn't understand Jesus at times. One occasion, he he tries to stop children approaching Jesus, and he gets told off. He's the one who walks on water and then starts to sink. He argues with his disciples about who is the greatest. At one point, Jesus even rebukes him and says, get behind me, Satan. He tries to stop Jesus washing his feet. He fails to watch out for Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He falls asleep. And then when Jesus is arrested, Peter denies he even knows Jesus. Peter is the guy that we would give up on. Let's be honest. Peter is the guy. If someone in church, if Jesus was to say to someone in church, get behind me, Satan, I think we would say, maybe you shouldn't be leading our welcome team. You know, that is the way it would go. Peter is the guy we would give up on. He is weak, he is a failure, 
And yet we see him empowered by the Spirit, preaching with incredible boldness and seeing 3,000 saved in one day. And if God can fill Peter and use him, then he can use you. And the truth is that God specializes in using failures. The unlikely that are written off by others, God seems to have specialism in using. God is, the Bible is full of God using the unlikely people. People like Abraham, who was too old. People like Jeremiah, who was too young. People like Noah, who was a drunk. Or David, who was an adulterer and then a murderer. Jonah ran away from God. Gideon was too afraid to be used by God. The list goes on. And I believe he does that so that he alone gets the glory. The disciples are a group of individuals, failed individuals, all coming from their different backgrounds, but all seemingly failures. James and John, they're nicknamed the Sons of Thunder, most likely because they had a really bad temper. At least they were passionate and got in trouble for it a lot. Matthew, tax collector, regarded as a traitor. Simon the Zealot, who if he lived today would probably be classed as a terrorist. Not the people that we would choose to represent us, and yet Jesus chooses them to advance his kingdom. And later in Acts, Peter and John get arrested for preaching the gospel. And it tells us in Acts 4.13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I love this. The people saw Peter and John. They were ordinary men. But because they were ordinary men, and they were moving in such power, the people around them said they must have been with Jesus. So often my ego gets in the way, but I would love that to be true of me. When they saw the courage of Dan Fryer, and they realized that he was an ordinary man, brought up in East Hull, full of weakness and struggles, they were astonished, and they noted that he must have been with Jesus. Imagine that. Can we arrange that on my gravestone, Rach? Yeah? Oh, if they could see, if, they, if people would say, oh, that's a good life. That's a good life to live. That's a, a life worth living. People were not persuaded by how impressive the disciples were. They were persuaded because they knew the disciples were weak, and yet they were full of the Spirit, showing off an all-powerful God. The disciples are filled with the Spirit of this Pentecost Sunday, this first Pentecost. They are filled with the Spirit. We remember this today, that filling of the Spirit. And they go on to do amazing things for the kingdom. And from that moment on, God has been building his kingdom through ordinary men and ordinary women. Men and women filled with the Holy Spirit, seeing God move in incredible ways. And God wants to do the same with you today. His Spirit is available not because of your strength, but because of your weakness. The very things that you believe disqualify you are the very things that qualify you. Because God does not call the equipped. He equips the called. He calls you and then he equips you. He's not looking for a standard before he will call you. He is looking for you to bring your brokenness and your emptiness to him. And he equips you to go and serve him and see his kingdom advancing. Now, we can block the work of the Spirit. God doesn't wait for us to have it all together. 
but we can hinder what God wants to do through our own sinfulness. Romans 12, 1 to 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We are to confess and repent of our sins. We are to flee from temptation, but the Holy Spirit is poured upon us to empower us to live the lives that God desires for each of us. If you're living in sin today, if you're hindering the work of the Spirit, God doesn't say, well, get yourself sorted, then come back to me. No, he says, repent and I will fill you with the Spirit and, help you live, and you will go on and live a changed life. We will still sin. But you can know that the Spirit, is the, very, the Spirit is at work in you just by the very fact that we are aware of our sin. There was a moment when I was doing certain things and living a certain way and, and I enjoyed it or it didn't grieve my spirit and then I can know the work of the Spirit is in place because I just know I don't want to do that anymore. And even when I do it, I just know, oh man, it's lost its taste. It tastes good anymore. Or even if it tastes good at moments, I know it's not bringing me into life. That was a momentary pleasure. And we can know. So when people are struggling, don't think, well, is the Spirit even in me? No, the fact that you know you're struggling shows that the Spirit's at work in you. Continue to be filled with the Spirit. Submit to God and the transforming work of sanctification he wants to do in your life. That word sanctification is a, that we see in the Bible is just that, God, that process that God is making, doing in us to make us more like Jesus. But the important thing is don't wait until you feel ready to accept the gift of the Holy Spirit. God is wanting to use broken people like you and I. Feeling weak, but full of the Spirit. Knowing that we partner with a God of power. That in our weakness, God becomes our strength. In a few moments, we're going to take communion. And this is a chance for us to come before God, to get right with God, to confess our sins, to repent, to turn from our sinfulness and we walk into freedom. It is a chance for us to accept that because of Christ's death and his resurrection, we have access to the Father who pours out his spirit on all of us. The question is, will we receive a fresh pouring out of the Spirit today. In these last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and the signs on earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's an invitation there. There's an invitation to be saved. If you don't know Jesus, there is an invitation today for all who call on the name of the Lord to turn from our sins, repent and turn. Call on the name of the Lord, we'll be saved.
And then there is a promise that God says, I will part my spirit on all people. And if you're feeling weak, if you're feeling like, why would God use me? It's those very things that you feel disqualify you are the very things today that qualify you. And so as we come to the cross, as we remember the communion, as we take communion, we remember Jesus' death and his resurrection, we accept that gift. So now I'm weak, I'm broken, but I come before a God of power. Would the band join me? Would you stand? We're not going to take communion quite yet. We're going to, in a few moments, you go and pick your children up, but not yet. And, and then we'll take communion and Jason and Ellen will lead us through that. But uh, just that invitation right now where you're at. If you don't know Jesus, if you feel like you can come before him today, if you feel like, what have I got to offer? Would he accept me? Yes, he will. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so even now, as, as the band starts to play, there is a chance. Like if you want to give your life to Jesus, if you've never given your life to Jesus, I, I, I do want to invite you to come to the front if you want to give your life to Jesus, because I, I do think there is something about stepping in and making a public declaration of I'm turning from my whole life and I'm coming to Jesus, I'm accepting that gift. Do come as we worship and just that declaration. But then for the rest of us, there is an invitation today. I'll pour my spirit on all people. Where have you disqualified yourself? Where have you put limits on what God can do? Where have you been hurt by past experiences and said, no, I'm not going there? Where have you said, no, I've seen God move, but that was a different season? Where have you said, oh, that's for them? Where have you said, look... Once I get my life together, then this. Where are those promises that God has, God has spoken to you about doing stuff and you've held back because you feel weak, you feel ill-equipped? Where are those things where you know God has said to you, go, do, act. And you've said, no, once, once I get this sorted, once I'm no longer battling with this area of my life, once I get this part of my life in order, then I'll go. Then I'll do, then I'll act. God says the time is now. He's going to pour his spirit on all people. There is access. There is access to the Father. There is access to a filling of the Spirit today. Not because you feel strong or have it all together, but because you feel weak. And if that's you, why don't you just start to invite God to move afresh? Ask him to fill you with a spirit of boldness to follow obediently. I love what Chris said. That link between faith and obedience. Believing God is able. Faith. Obedience to step out and do it. Believing he goes with you. He empowers you.